Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an epic-inspired podcast that brings innovation to professional development. Well, welcome back to When the Wind Blows. This is an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, anyone vested in the world of education. And today I have my dearest friend, Kristen Ashley, on here. Um, Kristen is like the, the mm, how can I say this, uh, flattering you and not, um, you are like the Brene Brown of Oklahoma. Ah! <laughs> I mean, that makes me want to cry. No, you really are. Like, as far as um, talking about trauma, and I mean, it's honestly, I listened to a Brene Brown podcast and thought I need to get Kristen on the podcast because we need to talk about vulnerability, and and honestly, I added growth mindset to it as well because I think you. Um, can grow and overcome if you allow yourself to be vulnerable, but we'll get into all that. Uh, so Kristen, tell me like who you are, maybe who you are to me. Um, and then, uh, what, what do you do? What, what, you know, what is your, uh, time focused on in the world of education? So it's funny when you sent that document that said, um, you know, who you are and what you do. In my mind, the description was, um, I'm a messy woman that does my best. That's my tagline. Like See, that's all I And got. that you're, you're already starting with the vulnerability. <laughs> I love it. I mean, that's just me. So I guess really who I am. Um, let's just say I'm a buffet of the counseling world. I have been a school counselor. I have been um, a director. I have been an advocate. I am also in private practice as a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, What I do, um, that's who I am, but I'm really, I'm just, you know, a, a messy person in this world trying to navigate education, trying to navigate just human experience. Um, also a mom who just, God bless her soul, wants to do the best by her children. And, um, yeah, so I just, I love people. I love humans. I love connection. That's who I am. That's so awesome. Like, so awesome. Uh, and honestly, you are, um, smart and funny and, um, there, I mean, the list goes on and on just so you know, like, I love, I love that you call yourself a buffet of the counseling world though. That's, I haven't heard that before. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so I, like I said, I listened to a podcast. It was, um, Adam Grant, um, who's mm. an author, uh, interviewing Brene Brown. And I just, I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are, are speaking so much of what I feel, especially in the time of COVID that we need so much right now. And, and it was talking about being vulnerable and, you know, you don't have to put on this 
facade or um, pretend as if you just get it because we're all kind of struggling right now. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is awesome. And then and, and, um, my own kiddo is, you know, in this world of, of, she went from being like the brightest bulb in the room to like, she's struggling a little bit this year. And, you know, she, what school, what kid finished the school year last year? So of course there's going to be some struggle. Um, so I was like, okay, we, we got to talk about this. Let's cuss and discuss it. So, um, I want to do the real definition like Merriam-Webster, but I'd like to know your definition real quick of vulnerability. Hi, mom. Hi. Hi, <laughs> <are> my children. <laughs> Hi, people. Um, so I'm doing a Zoom podcast recording thing. So if you guys can just hang out over there, we're going to cut this part out. So go play. Say hi to my friend Aaron, and then you can go play. What's up, Aaron? What's up, buddy? Hi, Aaron. Hi. What is your definition of vulnerability? My definition of vulnerability. It's really hard to separate my definition from Brene Brown's. I'm not going to lie, because I think it. she's helped me define it. So I would say um, definition is definitely. Um, Showing up and being seen at the risk of anything and not being able to control the outcome. I mean, I, I feel like I'm just quoting her, but that truly has what it has become for me personally and professionally as well. So the, the definition of just vulnerable, I mean, if you're going to go through um, Merriam-Webster's dictionary, you're going to just the tiniest portion of what you just had, but what you just had was amazing. I, I liked the part where in the, the second definition of vulnerability, it was talking about, um, being susceptible to physical and emotional attack or harm, which not even that, I mean, we could be vulnerable, um, just opening ourselves up to learning something new. There's no physical or emotional attack on us if we're opening ourselves up. But I liked where it said, um, um, basically, through the convention of having won or lost to higher penalties. And I, I started thinking about that, and I was like, higher penalties? I guess my higher penalty would be like if I wanted to learn calculus at the age of 40, because I've, I've never taken calculus, uh, Kristen. <laughs> um, I, either. I, I would, I mean, I would be opening myself up to higher penalties, I suppose. But honestly, um, when we're talking about vulnerability, I don't think that the Merriam-Webster's definition is, um, where we're at. So, um, Remind us again what yours was so the listeners can really chew on it. I mean, just go go for it again. So I would say it's the risk of it's showing up and being seen for who you truly are. So that authenticity piece at the risk of, you know, anything and not being able to control the outcome. So if you're showing up in your relationship or if you're being seen at work or really trying to be who you are just anywhere, you can't control other people and you can't control the outcome of really anything anymore, truly. 
when's the last time you made yourself vulnerable? Um, other than this podcast. <laughs> so right now, <laughs> check. <laughs> well. We've recorded podcasts before. I mean, a previous, not not for this this uh, mm-hmm. uh, podcast, but we've, we've recorded other episodes for previous podcasts before. Um, yeah. We're so, so smart. I don't understand why you would be so, why you would feel vulnerable in this. You are like I, the brightest woman I know for this. Because it's my heart. This is, this is what I, I love. And so I think when you risk showing up with something you love and have so much passion for, there's always the risk that somebody may disagree, which is okay, but it's also, you know, that challenge and just being seen for, what you believe in, um, that could create any type of controversy, I think, you know, but, um, yeah, I think in general, it's a, it truly is when you work in like human work, like we do with education, I think you almost risk vulnerability every day. I think if you don't, Mm -hmm. are you truly making connections? Well, true. I mean, I made all kinds of notes preparing for this. And of course, one of them is, you know, vulnerabilities being in connection with people. I mean, it truly is. Okay. So then let's go to growth mindset. And um, there's not a a pretty uh, definition for growth mindset in Merriam-Webster because it's two words. But basically, the the buzz has been um, uh, when met with adversity, choosing an I can or a we will statement and and then working through your difficulty. Um, How do you think with the topic of vulnerability, that growth mindset, what would you, what would your definition of this be? Well, I I wrote a flow chart. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) You should take a picture of it and I'll link it in the show notes and everybody can see your flow chart. Okay. So my flow chart is with vulnerability, you have risk. And you're risking to connect with something or someone. And connection requires your ability to connect with people. It requires you to believe that you're worthy. Like you are worthy of connection. And so that worthiness drives compassion to understand other people. And then the compassion to step into something, I think, creates that growth mindset. Mm. So vulnerability requires risk to connect, which requires belief that you're worthy and then stepping into that compassion that leads to the growth. Wow. Wow. Um, I love your flow chart. I love your thought process. I love that you even wrote down a flow chart there. Um, I think that that speaks, uh, probably to your organization and, and you can see that like on, on my show notes, like my organization is half thought ideas, like semi written down. Um, <laughs> I, what's that? I loved your, your document. Oh. Help me totally wrap my mind around this. Okay. And so I think, and, and so you, you heard it in the beginning where for students, parents, teachers, all kinds of education leaders. And so I kind of wanted to talk through each one of those. You know, when we have students, how, how would you talk to a student about 
I mean, a student is coming to us, I mean, almost every single day vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, a, they're learning new content every day. They're learning how to be humans in this world. They're learning how to deal with um, micro traumas of like, oh, you're wearing that today to like real trauma. I mean, and I don't want to say micro traumas aren't real, but like uh, not having enough food at home before coming to school or you know, watching atrocities. <laughs> I mean, the, the the list goes on and on of what our kiddos are exposed to. So how can we talk to them, these vulnerable little creatures anyway, about becoming more vulnerable? <laughs> how, how do you have that conversation with a kiddo, Kristen? You know, I honestly I, I struggle with this and within my own home, you know, my own children. I have a fifth grader, I have a third grader, and then I have a baby. And so um, that fifth grader and I, we're having some hard conversations right now about developmentally appropriate struggles. During, you know, he fits into the world where he belongs. Um, and, you know, I think for kids, the true the true need that they have currently is that task of empathy. Like, so as adults, as we work with them, as we guide them and just stepping in and having that empathy and just sitting with it and validating the struggle. I think sometimes as adults, we don't do it intentionally, but we dismiss some of their concerns and we dismiss that in the sense of wanting to help them do better. It's like, that's not that big of a, a deal. Right. So, you know, yeah, you, you think that your friends didn't want to play with you, but I think they really did want to play with you or yeah, I know you didn't have the coolest shirt on today, but at least you had a shirt on that. I fall into the trap of sometimes, but I think truly what they need is for us to just say, yeah, that sucks. Man, you know, that's, that is rough. Yeah. I hate that for you. Let them have those feelings. Yeah, that's appropriate for them to feel those ways. I mean, anyway, and I think you also kind of, you put it in a space, kind of like when we talk about hold space for people, just hold that space for them. Let them work it out. There's times where, you know, I'll sit there with my own children at home and I'll just let them talk it all the way out. And um, then it's like, what do you need from me now? Do, do you want me to help you problem solve this? Or did you just need to work it out, you know? And if you do need me to problem solve it, where we go from there? Am I going to be your partner in it or am I going to be your adult in it? You know, things like that. That's funny that you say it that way because I've not, I've not thought about presenting my kids with this. I present my husband with this all the time because I'm a helper. I want, I want to fix things. And so we, we come to conversations and I'm like, okay, before we go any further, am I listening or am I problem solving here with you? Uh, and and knowing my role in whatever conversation is truly helpful. And, you know, there's this um, video on YouTube. It's not about the nail. Have you ever seen this this video? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's impactful. And, and the guy, you know, he finally was like, uh, that must suck for you, you know? And then she's like, yeah, my sweaters are getting snagged. And he's like, ah, you know, and he wants to go back to fixing. Um, but you know, 
knowing what your role is in a conversation is huge. And so I, I never really thought about asking my kiddos, you know, hey, um, do you want me to help you problem solve this? Or do you just want me to be an ear for you? Do you want mm-hmm. to vent this? Uh, I think that's that's huge. Uh, and I love that you say give them that space because, um, gosh, you know, we, we're we're all the time helping our kiddos try to learn. Um, this is a butterfly and he, he was a, you know, caterpillar and now he flies and it goes through this process, you know, and, and you, you, we're always, you know, trying to help our kiddos learn the world. And so problem solving that's that shirt that isn't the coolest today. Um, you know, you'll get them next time, buddy, or whatever it is. Uh, that's not what they want in that moment. Sometimes they need commiseration yeah. sometimes too. I mean, I, I call my friends for commiseration sometimes, you know, um, yeah. what about teachers? How, how do you help them become more vulnerable? And I mean, I would say right now, uh, they, they've opened themselves up to the most amount of vulnerability they can ever have in this COVID year. I mean, they're learning new tools, new tricks, new resources, new ways to do things that they'd probably been doing for some time. How do you approach the the topic of vulnerability and growth mindset with a teacher? Mm-hmm. Um, because I am a therapist, I think that the way I attempt to ask questions can be really uncomfortable maybe sometimes for people. <laughs> Um, I was sitting with a teacher this morning who's going through some personal stuff and she just came in and needed to kind of process something. And I just stopped and I said, okay, before we talk about that, I need to ask like, how are you feeling? Not physically, emotionally, you know, with connection to what's happening right now. So we process that for a minute. Um, I think sometimes we don't stop. I think we one of my biggest critiques about education is I think we are contributing to this fast-paced world. And I loved when COVID slowed us down to say, stop for a minute. Let's only go down to the smallest need, meet those basic needs when we wrapped up last year and said, how are we going to do this at our very best? And everybody had so much room for grace and understanding. Um, I don't think we've held on to that as much as we could have. And I think that was a real opportunity. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I, I enjoy what COVID has brought us because I too have lost so much um, during this time and been sick and my whole family's been sick, you know, so but I think what it did for us was help us refocus. And so when I'm still working with teachers, my hope is to have them um, reflect on what's most important for them. But then the next part is to challenge them to remember what might be most important to the kid and to see if those two things align. And if they don't, where can you meet in the middle? Because I think that's really important because we are teaching kids. We're not teaching subjects. We're not teaching math. We're supposed to be teaching kids. And so where can we meet together, um, I think, is where I hope to allow growth. And usually I just do that through questioning. 
And the tell me more, tell me more about this. Does your school district use the giant leadership platform? Do you know what I'm talking about with this? Not Norman. Um, when I was at Middell last year, we did. Yeah, I the knew Middell did. Staff, but... we went through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, they use the the high support, high mm-hmm. challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. if you're high challenge, but not enough support, you're kind of an authori- authoritarian, um, um, I don't remember the word, uh, Kind of like a dictator, right? Yeah. Uh, if if you're high support and low challenge, you're not meeting it. it it's got to be the both, and then you're truly liberating. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I really love the visuals that they give with that. And it felt like um, it was appropriate in this vulnerability conversation. Like, I want mm-hmm. to give you a place where you can come to me with this struggle, but I I don't want to let off of the the rigor or the relevance necessarily um you know I want to support you through this I mean at the end of the day your fifth grader has fifth grade that they still have to learn you know we're not going to say you know what that probably is too hard let's go back to fourth grade you know you can't just do that um and so you've got to be able to offer the challenge and the support at the same time to to help that kiddo out right Um, totally so JJ Abrams, uh, <laughs> creator of Lost, um, a, a couple of the Star does he have one or two Star Wars? I don't know. He he's this Hollywood guy. And I heard him say um in a, in another podcast one time, um, you know, it's like we have a thousand lessons that we know uh, and that we can we can recall, but we're really only able to carry nine hundred at a time. Um, and, uh, and, and when we stop and, and I hear Kristen offer me a lesson, it's like, I, I actually have to put this lesson down to pick that one up. I'd heard that one before. Um, but you're bringing it to me in a way that it makes me want to carry that lesson again. And so I thought it was really kind of funny the way he said that, like, you know, we've got a thousand lessons, but we can only really carry 900 at a time. He's like, there's nothing really new, uh, but it's, renewed in, in our, uh, vision and, and, and like for kids, they're, they're able to learn new lessons all the time. And at, at our age though, it's mm-hmm. just renewal of lessons. Um, and I thought that that was really kind of generous. Um, for me, I, I feel like, you know, this vulnerability, we've, we've talked about this a thousand times. Growth mindset has been a buzzword for 10 years, but just putting a new spin on it is actually really, I don't know, it's kind of fun and, and also intriguing, you know, the way he, he talked about it was, was pretty fun. Absolutely. I mean, even when you texted me and said, Hey, do you want to talk about vulnerability? Of course I had to dive back into Brene Brown's Ted talks and just refresh my mind because every single time I listen to my go-to videos, I learn something new. Same with Nadine Burke Harris, like every single time. Nadine Burke Harris. Yes. Okay. I don't know this one or maybe I do. And I just don't know that I do. You probably do. She's the Ted talk on, um, Adverse childhood experiences. She was the pediatrician in California, now the Surgeon General of California. I will look her up and link her into the show notes. So tell me what she talks about. Well, she talks about kind of her um, journey from med school to opening a clinic to going, like sitting in her office one day going, all right, kid after kid is coming in referred for ADHD, you know, the typical things. 
And she goes, I'm sitting here going, there's more, there's something else. And that's when somebody plops down aces and says, well, what about this adverse childhood experience study? And she gets a hold of it and she goes, oh my gosh, why are we not all talking about this? Like, this is a brain thing. And so she talks about the science behind the brain and, you know, she says big words that I can't, you know, say because I just can't pronounce things like that. But um, she was in Resilience, the film. Um, so, yeah, like she's, she's amazing. amazing. <laughs> so let's talk about ACEs. And, um, and so, I mean, that's a trauma indicator, right? I mean, it's kind of like mm-hmm. a checklist of, uh, where you at and what you bring to the table. I mean, all of us bring something to the table, yeah. um, you know, but, but a lot of times we're carrying these, these big bags of trauma with right. us and that's what the ACEs are. Correct. Correct. Okay. So, yeah. So it, I, go ahead. It's not new research. Like, as in a few years ago, it's been 80s and 90s, but I think it's just recently sticking in different areas other than just the psychology world or just the psychiatric world. And so that's why I think it's fun to talk about is because it's not necessarily like super new, but it's new-ish. Yeah. Uh, I bring to the table, I mean, we had homelessness, my parents are divorced. My, um, stepdad and mom got divorced. I mean, so I've seen, um, love and loss. Uh, I mean, there, there's all kinds of things. And I didn't really realize I brought all of that to school with me every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I, as a person did not process those things that I was bringing that to school every day, but that led to, uh, really, I I was apathetic towards school. I didn't really care. I didn't know why I didn't care. But, um, you know, I also um, wasn't finding helpfulness in adults. Um, I I was like, what is this all here for? If we all have to learn on our own, then I guess I'll just embrace it, you know, and I felt I I really felt alone for a lot of my um, middle years. And and I'm 42. So it's not like I'm like, 41. I don't know what I am. I'm in my forties though. Uh, my yeah, husband will point that out because he's not yet. Um, <laughs> but, it, but I, uh, so I'm, I'm saying is if, if 41 is the end point right now and birth is the, the, you know, beginning point in those middle years, I felt alone and, and nobody would have thought that because I was the most outgoing charismatic kid around. Um, but it was a shell. And I just didn't know what I brought to the table. Um, Add to that trying to learn algebra. Add to that trying to learn relationships. Add to that, you know, just the life that we all have to to navigate. Uh, It's huge. Uh, And then, and I would say embracing vulnerability now comes with the realization of it's okay that I don't know everything. And I, I, feel good in that world. And, and maybe I use it as a crutch a little bit. Um, I know in the beginning of education, I did like whenever I first became a teacher, I'd say, you know, I'm green, but what about, you know, and I felt like I I could use my greenness to challenge, uh, the status quo. Now that I've been in education for like 15 years, (laughs) I don't feel like I can fall on that anymore. Um, but I do still embrace 
knowing and, and feeling good about the fact that I don't know it all. And, and that helps me and it keeps me wanting to learn. That's vulnerability right there. I mean, that's complete vulnerability to say, I don't have to know it all. Why, why, why did we ever have the idea that we needed to know it all? Well, because we're teachers. We have to know it all. Don't we? We're teachers. We are, we should totally know it all. And I think the other part of this whole COVID world that we've experienced is a lot of us have become our own children's teachers, mm-hmm. you know, because we were quarantined um, even this year because our family was sick and trying to help my own children with their schoolwork and stuff like that. Like when my fifth grader does say, Hey mom, can you help me with math? You know, there are moments where I'm like, no, <laughs> like I'll try. I bet there's a good chance. I have no idea what you're asking me to do. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm going to be that. Like my kids both played baseball over the weekend and um, we were kind of reflecting on some stuff. And I jokingly said, you know, you got your skills from your mom, but the truth is I'm not athletic. And I just, I I say to them, but you know what? I am really strong emotionally. I may not be strong (laughs) physically and I can't do those things that you're doing out there on the baseball field but I think it's also very brave of you and you have so much courage to get out there and be in front of people. And like, that's what I look at, but I'm not going to claim to know it all. Not even close. So it's, I think that's um, one of the things that in, in education, we really do have to get away from. I feel like teachers are the last ones to ask for help. Um, Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because there is a perception that we should know it. We should be adaptable. We should be innovative. We should be all of these things. Uh, And so we're the last ones to ask for help when it comes down to it. And and it puts this um, unrealistic expectation on us and and the pressure that we feel from that. It's no wonder that we burn out at the rate that we burn out. Sorry. <laughs> they can't pretty see much. your look on your face. <laughs> no, pretty. I mean, that's exactly, I think. And I recently wrote a blog for Seth Meyers' new blog, the teacher yes. edition. Yes. And I just, when I was writing and reflecting, I'm like, the biggest thing is that you sit with things because you don't have it all figured out. And we don't need to have it all figured out, but just to sit with it. And, you know, it may be confusing and it may not make sense. And you may try every trick that your teacher school taught you and it still doesn't work. That's because your teacher school may not have been designed to teach the way our kids are learning now. Or maybe your teacher school, and I bet your teacher school, unless you are new within the last five to eight years, didn't even teach you about the correct brain you're teaching because they weren't using the brain science that we have now. Mm -mm. So you know, go back to the drawing board and think about that brain. That's why we talk about ACEs and everything else, because those brains are not just typical developing brains, you know, especially in Oklahoma, we have some of the highest ACEs. So it's not, it's not the same. And isn't that crazy? I mean, uh, I think a lot of people, when they think about ACEs and trauma, it's inner city or it's, um, super urban areas. Uh, and, and that's a stereotype we have with ACEs. Um, you know, you don't have to have seen, uh, a gang on a street corner to have trauma. You could, no. you know, uh, be a rural kid and, um, have experienced some of those things, um, 
and and honestly, I mean, some of the stories I've heard when when I was going through grad school was shocked and appalled at just what space and distance um, equaled as far as what people thought they could get away with with their kiddos because. Yeah if they weren't seen, you know, and, and the, the homeschooling, um, world, uh, can hide a lot of things and mask a lot of things, uh, transferring between schools can hide a lot of things and mask a lot of things. And I mean, um, I live in a city where there's a city district as well as two independent districts as well as Epic. And so my kiddo could have the choice of four different schools depending on what we wanted. And, and I could, if I wanted to hide things, bounce between all of those schools regularly. Oh, absolutely. And that's scary. Yes, and depending on your district and your county and everything else, I mean, it's terrifying. That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> that is a whole nother episode. episode. Uh, Kristen, I am so thankful that you you offered yourself and showed vulnerability and came on the episode, came on the show. I want to have you back. Can I have you back? Will you come back? Of course, Erin, always for you. <laughs> Um, you're, you're my second outside of Epic world guest. Um, and, uh, and I've got a few really good ones, um, coming in future episodes. Have you ever heard of Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman? He's, he's in the world of neurodiversity and, um, I, I love him and I love all the work that he does. What's that? I think I think I broke up there for a second. Okay. Anyway, I've got him coming on the show. And so I'm so excited. Uh, I've got uh, Lisa Johnson, who's um, another author. Um, so when as soon as I opened up the world of outside of Epic, I'm like, okay, I got friends. Let me call them because they're smarter than me and I need them on the show. And you're one of those people. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you keep good company. I I do, because you're in there. Okay. Well, that is all the time we have for today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the like button. Subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified each time a new episode drops. If you're a returning listener, you should rate the podcast and leave a comment. Tune in next week where we're rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.